patreon.com slash duckfeedtv Out! For those fireballs, hot beat city is taking your call suffering Duckfeedtv The Duck, it's Heartbeat City with Cozy Snugglefield. Cause somebody out there feels lonely, and we're here to help. Welcome to Heartbeat City. I'm your host, Cozy Snugglefield. We're here in the studio. We're taking your calls, healing your hearts. Tonight I am joined by Autumn, who is an equestrian and podcaster. Autumn, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. Delighted to be here. Excellent, excellent. You have a, you have a great radio voice. Has anyone ever told you that? No, that's very flattering. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, how uh, did you uh, did you get over here? Okay, how was um, how was finding the studio? Any difficulty there? <laughs> <laughs> I I wasn't going to mention this because it's a little bit embarrassing, but since you asked, um, I was so nervous about traffic and getting lost on my way to the studio that I accidentally got here about 45 minutes early. Oh. So I parked down the street behind the diner and I waited so you wouldn't see me waiting when you got here and think it was weird. Oh, that, that's uh, that's very nice of you. <laughs> the, uh, one thing about this building is that it does not have a proper kind of waiting area. Yeah, uh, you know, and that's that's part of the reason why the rent is cheap here at WDFD. Yeah. <laughs> so we will uh, we'll go ahead and get right into it. We have three letters tonight, uh, and I will start with this first one. It's a little bit long, but it is good. Um, this says, "Holla, all!" In March, my three-year now retrospectively obviously codependent relationship imploded after my emotionally abusive ex made a joke that I had jacked off to some Instagram model my friend had matched with on Tinder while I was incapacitated and unable to have sex due to a bizarre self-inflicted acrobatics accident. Uh, that's 2018, y'all, uh, is listed there. This is a, a hell year. Uh, that's me editorializing. And as I was trying to be more truthful and regain my lost sense of self to avoid a seemingly inevitable breakup she warned me about on Valentine's Day, I owned up to it. She pretty much broke up with me as I begged her not to. As it was late at night, I tearfully went to sleep in what had been, for all intents and purposes, our bed. I later woke up to her beating the shit out of me. While I eventually got her to stop and initiated some sort of autopilot win-her-back lizard brain protocol, things never felt right again, and between my entirely subconscious so far loss of trust in her and seemingly being the only one to fix things, I burned out uh, and told her that I'd given up. She made a meager attempt to get back together weeks later, which I turned down. We tried to be awkward friends before I realized what had happened was emotional and then physical abuse. Then the inevitable losing your goddamn mind, seeing the other with someone you think they are fucking happened, and I went 
NC and I am still doing it. Problem is, we share a friend group and I've been mostly okay hanging out with them in subsets, but I miss going to the everybody's here type shit. How will I, how will I know I am? How should I become ready to even be in the same room as her and whoever she might be with at the time? Should I not even bother? I plan on moving away sometime early next year, but till then I am pretty lonely, even with new friends and seeing old ones. I'm in therapy right now and experiencing a lot of undampened feelings for the first time in my life. And given my codependent tendencies and the way things ended, I am way too emotionally burned out to try to date to get over her first. I know this is complicated, but even the smallest insight would help. This is signed from Jay. There's a lot here. Absolutely. What uh, What are your initial thoughts, Autumn? You know, breaking this into to pieces, um, uh, the first thing is whenever you see someone that you were with, with somebody new, when you run into them on the street, at a party, whatever, it kind of feels like your value has been d- diminished. Um, mm-hmm. They were able to to move on quickly. Um, obviously, whatever relationship you had, you feel like it meant less to them than it did to you. You kind of have to, to reframe it. Um, you were actually so important that she can't stand to be alone for even a second you're finding the loneliness difficult. She's finding it impossible. So, I mean, that's the the best way to look at it. Um, It it sounds like you're actually putting in work. Um, They're carrying all the same stuff forward into some new, possibly transient relationship. Um, But they're probably constantly making comparisons. And in contrast, by you not pushing ahead and dating, you'll be able to start fresh. It's, It's great that you aren't spite dating. Mm-hmm. What, about, yeah, I, what do you think, Cozy? Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think that even if, um, you know, we, we don't know, you know, on the show, we only get kind of a, a, a pinhole into these things. We don't know very much about this uh, partner, which, uh, frankly, you know, Jay definitely sound better off without. Um, so I don't know the specific reasons, but the, the 100% solid takeaway is it's about them, not you that they're going forward. If maybe they're trying to fill this hole in spite dating or cannot be alone or, uh, you know, we, we can't know exactly what it is. It has nothing to do with you, you know? So don't make, feel like that reflects on you, you know, don't compare Mm -hmm. yourself to that person. Um, the, uh, it doesn't mean that you are worse than the person they're dating. It's extremely hard to see because you're, you look at that person, you think, uh, Oh, that person is worse than I am boy, how awful must she thought or he or she thought I was, you know, or they, they thought I was, um, that's really tricky. And that doesn't necessarily help in getting over it. Um, you know, cause it's an emotion. You can't like think you can try to, but you can't really think your way out of an emotion. Like you might just feel that gut feeling of like, Oh, that's, that should be my arm around that person. Um, kind of regardless. Uh, I think this is one of the things where you, the person who wrote in, is doing the right things as far as thinking through and doing therapy and stuff and should probably avoid this. Like, I, I know I, that comes up later in the letter, but like, boy, why put yourself through that if you can help it? Absolutely. You know, you know it's difficult um, whenever there's a, a breakup. Uh, I can really relate to what Jay is talking about with losing certain friends. I, um, I read a study a few years ago that said people that have been in long-term relationships lose an average of eight friends after the breakup, mm-hmm. usually three friends that they made through their ex-partners, three mutual friends that were made during the relationship, and maybe one or two that they knew before the relationship started, 
um, but they either sided with the other person or they got tired of hearing about the breakup. Mm-hmm. That that makes absolutely tons of sense, and that's hard. Like it, it is hard to lose lose friends. It's hard to lose those social contacts, especially when you're at a point when you feel like you need them the most. Mm-hmm. You know, like you you need that support. Um, and it sounds like from the letter that you're not necessarily getting it. Like you do feel a need to to be a part of this complete social circle. That might just be something. You know, you're talking about moving in the beginning of the year. Uh, we're recording this in early fall. Um, that is a couple months from now. You might, it might be easiest and most healthy just not to do that. You know, sometimes I think you have to kind of seed ground. There are, uh, in breakups I've had, breakups I've had, I've, there are like things I don't do, events I don't go to now. And, uh, you know, because it, because an ex will be there. Um, and not because it's traumatic for me, but because it's traumatic for her, uh, you know, to see me, which I, which I know. Um, you know, she said as much and it's just less overall harm in the world for me to do something else instead, you know, and, and the person who's writing this letter is, is getting support doing, you know, has new friends is still hanging out with some of their friends. It doesn't sound like you've lost friends in the breakup. It's just, you can't hang out at parties or things where everyone is there. Um, and that's hard. That's, that's a hard thing. That That's a loss. Uh, but a breakup is a loss. And this is ultimately additive as a loss because something else I really want to touch on in this is, uh, you know, by no means should you ever allow yourself to be physically abused. You know, again, that's a kind of a loaded statement. It's not that easy. There's a lot of power dynamics in play. But the fact that you got out of this is a blessing. Uh, this person hit you and hurt you, and that's never okay. And you are out of that now. And I would consider this kind of being part of the tale of that. You know, that getting out of that, extricating yourself from this relationship had a long tail. It's requiring multiple kind of sacrifices that ultimately will be so much for the best. Uh, you do not deserve to be with somebody who is who does that. You deserve better than that, and you are on a road to getting it. Uh, and that's that's hard. Absolutely, and this is part of that. You know, and and Jay, give yourself some credit here. You're, you're killing it. You're, you're planning ahead. You're prepared. You're examining mm-hmm. what about your last relationship was harmful. Yep. If your, your friends are still willing to hang out with you, that means you're, you're doing good things. You're not making them pick sides. You're not, um, trying to force a friendship to fill a relationship sized hole. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it, it sounds like you have a degree of support. It may not be the apps, you know, every bit of support or articulate in the way that you want it, but you do have some, some support lean on that. Um, and going to therapy is great. I'm very glad, you know, that's part of this, um, moving, which I think is like, honestly, one of the best things you can do after a breakup that not everyone can do, mm-hmm. you know, like it, you know, obviously moving is something that people very flippantly suggest for a number of things and it's hard to do and it's a privilege. Uh, however, um, getting away from not just people, but also kind of haunted spaces, you know, after a breakup, like not having to go to, you know, have this restaurant remind you of times with that person every time you go will be good for you. Absolutely. You know, the, um, a couple of things just real quick, as far as reflection go, um, that I, that I think the question asker should think about is the obvious part of this letter that jumps out to you is obviously, or jumps out to me rather, is obviously the, the physical abuse, you know? Um, however, there's things earlier than that, that are pretty rough. Um, that hopefully going forward, you can kind of look at the signs for. So, um, all of this bit about, um, you know, trying to do this inevitable breakup that she warned you about on Valentine's day. Um, that's, that's some, that's manipulative. Um, 
saying like, hey, this is going to happen. Like ultimatums, uh, kind of signaling that kind of thing is very manipulative, I think. You know, and I, I would watch out with that. What did you What did you think of this kind of first paragraph here, this first bit? I would would absolutely agree. It and it seems like the I guess the air quotes causative event. Someone's masturbatory material is usually not the the main issue. That seems like a very small thing to be responsible for determ- or terminating an entire relationship. It seems like there were some some big problems that you and your partner either did or did not acknowledge. Um, you know, there can be the I guess the the straw that breaks the camel's back. But um, it, it seems like you're recognizing some stuff in the relationship that that definitely was not working well. Mm-hmm. Like foundationally, you know. So. Um, and to the point of kind of self-recognizing, you know, these codependent tendencies, you know, that you identify within yourself, you, you're doing the thing for that, which is therapy. Like once you recognize these problems, you can start looking for them and developing kind of tactics and methods to, to work with them, you know? So I feel, you know, to your point, Autumn, like you're doing really well, like post, this is great. You're doing very well for a post breakup, stay that course learn what you can from it, examine, you know, some things from it that are not just the obvious things, you know, think about the, the emotional angle and the manipulative angle that puts you in this, not just the, the physical angle and the moment of the breakup. And maybe you don't go to as many parties for a couple months, you know, and that is a, a small price to pay to avoid this feeling. Um, something I think about a lot and it hasn't come up on the show yet, but um, I think, and I would be curious to hear your thoughts on this, Autumn. I think it is a, a big mistake to try to immediately be friends with an ex. Um, that can happen. You have to give that a lot of distance, though. Um, partly just because of this, like seeing them with other people is very difficult. But also, just people don't switch gears that quickly. You know, it's too difficult not to rehash the past. You know, you might start off friendly, like, "Hey, how's it going?" Acknowledge that this is a little bit weird, but it. It's sort of inevitable that uh, some old stuff will come up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, old stuff or new stuff. One of you will start dating. You know, you can be okay with being friends on paper. And then, oh, once I see them with somebody else, that's activating my lizard brain in some way that is not pleasant. It just leads to being extremely passive aggressive. Yes. Yep. Uh, so I would say don't, you know, maybe someday you can be friends with this this person. Um, that day is not today. And I would I would wait. And I would uh, lean on my social structures that don't involve this other person. Would yep. be and my advice. know that you're setting yourself up so much better by allowing yourself to experience this, move through it, um, and taking the time to to be single and get to a spot where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing that self work.
our next letter. Hi, cozy and esteemed guests. I've been single for almost a year now and want to take the plunge back into the world of internet dating. I have half-heartedly used apps like Tinder and Bumble, but don't really get, uh, really didn't, do not enjoy using them. I have tried to write dating profiles, but find myself getting mired in self-deprecation to the point of blandness, but more positive appraisals strike me as a bit conceited. I really struggle with it. So do you have any tips on how to write a decent online dating profile? I really appreciate any advice you're able to give. Thank you. Uh, so I don't know if you if you have any personal experience in this, but I also feel like any advice that uh, kind of applies to this also applies to any way that you might present yourself uh, to a, to a potential potential partner. I agree completely. You know, when it comes to writing online profiles, pro, excuse me, profiles, it's kind of like taking the worst parts about writing a resume for your job and, and making them even harder. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. There's no finish number one in the good partner rankings in 2015 and 2016. Most popular, Um, yeah. uh, (laughs) Like a baby names book, but for (laughs) adjectives you can use. Exactly. Exactly. But um, like a resume, I I feel like it gets better if you have a trusted friend or someone close to you that can review it and even possibly help work with you on writing it. Mm -hmm. Um something that really resonated with me with this because I, I struggle with it as well. Um, especially when I was a little bit younger, the self deprecating thing, this is a scenario where it, it's okay to have, have confidence. There's no confidence police that will come to your door and say, yes, we had a report that someone said something nice about themselves and we want to make sure no one here is getting a little big for their bridges. Mm -hmm. Um, I find because it's like an itch that you need to scratch when you feel the need to humble yourself or be self-deprecating. There's a form of kind of swaggering self-deprecation that makes you seem kind of real and honest. You know, personally, I tend to be very klutzy. And when I was a little bit younger, I would say, oh, gosh, I'm so clumsy. That's so embarrassing. And now I say something like, that's why that ballet scholarship never worked out. There's, Mm -hmm. there's a, there's a way to, I guess, poke fun at yourself and make fun of yourself. That's also, um, positive, you you know, that has people laugh with you and not feel bad for you. Positive and confident. Exactly. Which which is the opposite of what you're usually the, the most common effect of self-deprecation, but being able to laugh at yourself does that. So we talk about self-deprecation, um, as a thing. I think self-deprecation as a catch-all, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And what you want is self-aware, right? Like those, those two, it's kind of two sides of the same coin, one of which is very attractive, one of which is not, you know? And you kind of making a joke about being clumsy is self-aware. We all have faults, like you know about them, uh, but you're also not defined by them. You don't feel bad about it. You're not presenting yourself as somebody who is going to need to be fixed. Like you're not hunting for someone to make you feel good about this thing you feel bad about. You know, you're fine with it. You're joking about it. Exactly. I I tend to think of it, and this is probably a little bit capitalist, but I I tend to think of it as you have a a personal brand and you don't need to to tear down your brand. I mean, if you're at Chick-fil-A, the manager doesn't come to your table and say, I'm sorry, these nuggets are so bad. You're probably wishing you had McDonald's and McNuggets right now, but I I just appreciate that you're here. Right. And that, that that's not something you know. Like the CEO of Orville Redenbacher doesn't go to their partner and say, "Are you thinking about Pop Secret right now?" God, my popcorn's the worst. I'm always thinking about Pop Secrets. They, they <laughs> name it Pop Secret, but there's actually more than one. So, 
Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Like you don't have to present that way. And I, so I understand, I relate to this because I'm also somebody who uh, is very turned off by arrogance. Um, but arrogance is the same way that self-deprecation and self-awareness are kind of two sides of the same coin. Arrogance and confidence are, are two sides as well. There's kind of a good way that can articulate and a bad way that can articulate. Um, the way to avoid those things, I think in a dating profile specifically is, uh, don't mention them. Uh, they can, it will come off better in person. You know, if there's something that actually is relevant to somebody, you don't, you want to disclose, you want to, to get that stuff up. Maybe you are clumsy. Maybe it's something more serious than that. Maybe you're bad with money. Um, there's no real, you're not being deceitful, not putting that up on front street in a dating profile. You know, these things that are more serious, that are not uh, kind of harmless things, you're hopefully working on them. Um, that can, that's the story. Tell that to yourself. I'm working on this. Um, it doesn't need to be the first thing someone finds out because one of the things about profiles, it's one-sided communication. It's very easy for anyone reading that to read it in the worst possible scenario, uh, version of it, you know, so these self, yeah, take these self-deprecating things you're writing and imagine what the worst thing someone can imagine based on that. And they might, you know, I, I I think that's an excellent point, uh, especially when it comes to any kind of negativity in a profile. I, I know for me, when I see something like, um, I just, I'm tired of people playing my games, mind mm-hmm. games, or I'm, I just want someone that isn't, is serious, no that type of thing. Exactly. It, it, everybody wants that. No one says, man, I yes. would love to find a partner that really just messes <laughs> with my head. You know, I never know what to think. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking to be emotionally manipulated and confused most of the time. I'm, I'm looking to really feel worse at the end of this, you know? Yeah. A single white Spider-Man seeking Mysterio for uh, but, long walks on the beach. and yeah. <laughs> But it just kind of communicates. Um, it, it, it tells someone that there's there's baggage there or something like that. You know, I think a good rule of thumb is for every one slightly negative thing you might say, you need to have three positive things. I mean, that, that's kind of true in life. They say it takes, you know, if you have a fight with someone, it takes three positive successive interactions to kind of have that fight fade from memory. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to say, I love books, I love music, and I love spiders for sure. some reason. Um, and then you want to say, and if we can agree on how rude it is when people play a loud video at the bar on their phone at full volume. You, you know, just just really, if you are going to say something that is maybe could be construed as negative, really balancing it out. Mm-hmm. And, and note that the examples you use there are really good because the things you used as positives were not brags. They're interests. They're things that could suggest good qualities about you. You know, mm-hmm. that suggests that you have a wide array of interests. You know, it suggests that, um, you know, you have a degree of culture, uh, but mostly that you're interested in things. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, you. it shouldn't be, but it is kind of a weirdly rare thing in, in dating profiles. Um, so, you know, keeping that ratio is a really good idea. Also, just say the things that are factually true about you and let some inference happen. You know, what do you like? What kind of things uh, have you done? Where are you at in your life? What are you looking for? State everything as a positive, you know, statement. You know, I does, you know, I want this. I am this. Um, it's n- then there's not really a way to be braggy about things that are as factual about yourself. Hmm. You know, but at the same time, it's okay to make up something completely ridiculous. I mean, say that you're the thumb wrestling champion of the world. If they don't believe you, they can meet you at a coffee shop and find out. Yeah, or in an alley or behind a Safeway, anywhere where <laughs> thumb wrestling happens. The, um, so th- th- I'm glad you brought that up because 
we kind of skimmed over a little bit of the first part. We went to the cute section of this. Um, the more general section about writing a, a profile, uh, jokes are essential for that. Um, and even in my experience, and this is a little bit subjective, it doesn't have to be a knee slapper. Like the fact that you're trying communicates a lot, you know, um, the fact that you're going to, you kind of have, if you feel like you have a sense of humor and that's part of how you interact with the world, you, you want to try to present that. Um, and the joke can be, you know, thumb wrestling champion of the world, something like that, which is not, uh, you know, no offense to you, to autumn, you know, it's not, uh, uh, something I'm going to see a comedian come up and say on its own, but it's kind of goofy. It's lighter in tone. You know, it shows this is somebody I can have fun with, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the, uh, to your earlier point about having somebody take a look at it or write it with you, find somebody who is the type of person you want to date. You know, so it, if, if I am, I, I've been internet dating for a long time. I don't really do this anymore. When I first started out, uh, you know, being a, a straight guy, uh, who wanted to date women, I would have my female friends look at my profile. You know, so find somebody who I, who identifies and who's closest in, within your peer group to who you'd want to date to take a look and just look for red flags. Look what's appealing. Look how you're presenting yourself. Kind of give you an idea of how you're coming across there. Um, I think that that's absolutely great advice. Is there any, um, I'm trying to, and the other thing too, um, something about, you know, you talked about, uh, Tinder and Bumble, both of those sites don't have profiles. Um, at some point on the show, I want to do a kind of rundown of those different sites and services. Um, I don't have good advice for using either of those because I've had really kind of, you know, when I say bad experiences as, as a guy, like a bad experience is a boring date. Like I recognize the privilege in that I've had a lot of boring dates, uh, from those two apps. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't work for me. I can't really speak to them. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, somebody, I can, I can get somebody who knows a lot more about them than I do. Mm-hmm. I know particularly with Bumble, when I have talked to some of my female friends that use the site, um, they say definitely putting a photo of you doing something interesting mm. um, because it gives someone something to ask you a question about as a starter. Yeah. I, yeah. That's actually, that's great. Um, having things that are hooky in general. Mm-hmm. You know, because the, the, the unasked question about this is when you do actually reach out and ask, you know, reach out to somebody based on their profile, that's what you should be doing is find something interesting in their profile and ask a question about it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, unfortunately, I know about that because um, I have so many friends that, that ride horses and the, the question that usually gets asked back or something like that is, um, so are horses all that you ride? That's awful. Which is a, a hard pass. Yeah, that's gross. Uh, <laughs> don't uh, don't do that. Um, there's also a a lot of different cliches, uh, with that, with profiles. So like doing something interesting is good. Um, I hear a lot of complaints from my female friends of, uh, dudes in front of cars, dudes with dead animals as being Mm -hmm. the two and, uh, shirtless bathroom selfies being the three things that they don't like, Mm -hmm. you know, present your complete, like try to present your holistic self through that stuff. You know, you're not just fishing for somebody, you know, because you want to catch anybody. You want to get a good person. You want somebody who having something in common with, presumably, uh, something you have uh, things in common with, you want a good match. And that means not necessarily just doing, you know, peacocking or, uh, you know, showing showing off just one kind of aspect of yourself that is a performative masculine action. Mm-hmm. You know, something interesting, like what are your interests? Like this is the, the writing one of these profiles is a, in some ways is a really good way to ask yourself some questions you've never asked yourself. 
you know, what are the things that are important to me? What do I like to do? Like what, if, you know, if, if I'm partnered, if I imagine myself partnered, what do, what lifestyle does that look like? Mm-hmm. You know, what would we do? How often would we hang out? Things like that. Like start asking yourself those questions and hopefully the, the profile will follow. finally tonight on heartbeat city hey there cozy and guest hope you're both having a wonderful day i'm having an all right day autumn are you having a wonderful day it's just getting better and better one i i have a wonderful's rough i tend to wonderful i don't have wonderful days that often i'm having an all right day but i i'm jealous of people who consistently have wonderful days (laughs) yeah this is i'm having an all right day so but thank you for the well wishes uh writer uh the writer continues I had several questions I thought to ask here, as my romantic life is a bit all over the shop at the moment, but I eventually narrowed it down to one. I recently developed a crush on someone I talk with online on a very frequent basis, and she's great. I'm a bit apprehensive to tell her, as she lives a far enough distance from me, that I know nothing is likely to come from it. I also don't want to risk anything changing in our friendship, but it feels weird to hide it from her. Do you guys think I should be upfront and tell her about my crush, or play it safe? Uh, I wish you a great day. Thank you again. And this is signed by Dex. What are your What are your initial impressions and thoughts? the The two words that stand out to me in this are recent and crush. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you know, you know if it's been a, a long period of time, you know feelings develop and everything like that. To to me, this seems a bit more yeah. Taking a step back, you know, the, the romantic comedies and the movies and things always teach us that, that honesty is the best policy. Um, but I feel like there's time to let this d- develop and to investigate it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like do some um, self-interrogation on this. It, it, exactly. You know, as I think that the, the writer recognized, there, there is a possibility that telling her, especially if it's a bit early, will cause her to edit her behavior around you if the, the feelings aren't requited. Um, whether it's not telling you about a love interest or if she's a nice person, she might subtly but very consciously vet everything she says to you before because she might not want to lead you on or something like that. Um, I I, th- I think there's a – I'm sure there's a German word for when one person shares something and they feel better and then another person feels worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Spanish is my second language, so um, I don't have a very bueno answer. Like yeah, exactly. You always hear about those couples that have been married for 60 years and one partner says to the other, I kissed someone at a party 30 years ago and nothing came of it. And that partner feels much better. They've gotten it off their chest. And then the other partner has all these emotions to confront over something that has proven to be meaningless over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, the risk versus reward on this, the reward is that she's secretly into you. Um, you guys make plans to meet and everything is great. You buy matching PT cruisers, you pick out China, you move to Vermont. But the, the risk is that you might put someone off and they might pull away and you, you, you might lose a, a friendship or a relationship that right now you wake up every day to, to message with that mm-hmm. person online. Not only do you risk losing that, but you're also just in terms of kind of ethically – uh, presenting this to some, like, I generally do feel like being honest about your feelings is good, you know, and mm-hmm. especially, uh, but you also have to be practical. And in this situation, because this is not something that, 
that would require a major lifestyle change for this to, to come to fruition. You're asking that person to do a lot of emotional labor um, mm -hmm. in this situation. Um, you're asking them to grapple with something they had not grappled with. Um, you're asking them to weigh uh, the friendship versus the relationship. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's taking your problem and sharing it uh, with somebody kind of against their will, like without it being, you know, not, not against their will, but without their, um, like a heads up, I guess you could, you could very easily be blindsiding this person mm -hmm. with something. And that's tricky. Um, that doesn't mean that your feelings aren't valid or that this has no hope. Um, I think that, you know, given the, the situation, it's likely that, uh, you don't have enough information to, to make that specific gambit. What you could do to your point, Autumn is, Spend some time with this. Wait on it. I don't know how recently developed this crush was, to your point. Um, wait, spend some time with it. Sit on it. If you still feel that way, uh, try to meet up as buddies. You know? Like, hey, I'm going to be where where you're at. I'm going to go on vacation. Do you want to meet up? And yeah. and then to see how that works in person. Because this this can work out. You know, people can... Uh, form, you know, it's, it's 2018. People can form relationships online that are exactly as meaningful and strong as relationships offline uh, that way. But you could then gauge it in person. And if you're not feeling that vibe from the person, then you could then be like, well, it's time to move on. You know, I'm not going to put this person through that. But if you're there and it is kind of flirty or electric and there's chemistry there, um, if you think that, then I think it's probably not outside. You know, then I think it's reasonable to just be like, hey, you know, what do you, what do you think about this? How do you, how do you feel about this? You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't frame it as a confessional. I wouldn't frame it as a high stakes thing. Just being like, you know, am I imagining this? And then if the person's like, oh, you know, I'm not, you know, not really feeling that way. Um, you don't have control over how that falls out. But if you're, if you're in person and you're feeling it, I think you can kind of make that gambit over the internet without that, uh, in person kind of gauging responses, you know, cause we, we didn't really talk about that, but it's very hard to kind of tell inflection and tone, um, mm -hmm. online. And uh, without that kind of additional feedback, I think it is probably best to just wait uh, on that. I would look for a, a few markers um, that might even mean that you're you're better friends than maybe some other online type of relationships. Are are you guys texting? Have you mm -hmm. spoken on the phone? Has she given you any sign that you're you're different than some of her other internet friends? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think also, um, I think it's a universal truth that everyone thinks that they're a great liar, but none of us actually are. Um, actually, literally, I'm sitting here saying that, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I mean, not me. I'm actually very good. <laughs> I'm actually pretty good at it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which which just goes to show how true it is. It, it It's possible that that she is a, a little bit aware of it. There's, mm -hmm. there's some ways that you respond to pictures and things like that. You know, someone says... I love this picture or another friend would say you look great. And maybe you're saying you are so beautiful or hot or something right. like that. You know, it, it's possible that there is some, some awareness. Mm -hmm. And, and see if that's reciprocated. Like once you start mm -hmm. examining your own kind of crush behaviors, see if those are, are coming back specifically if they're coming back, uh, in response to those things. Exactly. You know, that's like, and to, I, I'm really glad you brought that up. That's an excellent thing. I didn't think about, um, escalating the forms of communication to kind of get a better idea is a really good idea. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, if you, right now, if you just chat online, start texting, if you're texting, you know, say, Hey, like, 
you know, you might never give you a call, you know, and or like you have something to talk about. Don't just, you know, it's, well, it's 20, <laughs> again, it's 2018. No one just calls to be like, what up? Um, <laughs> but call, have something to talk about and see how it feels on the phone. You know, see how it feels through a video call, you know, where you can read body language, you know, kind of uh, do your best to kind of explore because ultimately this is one of those situations with distance. Um, and this plays into an earlier question too, where um, if something was going to come of this, like moving is a lot, uh, you know, that it's a, a lot to, even if the person feels the same way and you feel the same way, um, any actions that you would take to form that into a relationship are kind of drastic and expensive and uh big you know and probably ill-advised that early on mm-hmm. you know i would I, I would work up that ladder like right now we chat chat text phone video call maybe tentatively plan a visit at some point you know there are some some questions and are jokes that you can make with with some degree of, of delicacy i mean you're not going to want to be too heavy-handed but you can try saying something like oh I wish we could just hang out in person mm-hmm. or, or, or say something like that and see, see kind of what the responses are, engage it from there. If it's, haha, yeah, that might not, that might be a, a sign to you that you don't need to necessarily push harder right now. Yeah. But, but somebody saying like, oh, I would love, I would absolutely love that. You know, I mm-hmm. like there, there, I would absolutely love that. There's a restaurant, you know, near my house. I would love to take you to you know, something like that. Like there are ways to do that. You just have to be very aware. And that's tricky when you're feeling the emotions of a crush, like you're feeling those there's those hormones and that, uh, that kind of intent feeling. It's very hard to like look outside yourself. Um, but you, you should like, this is something where any actions you take need to be based on and kind of dependent on that person. Um, something that happens a lot, I think in online interactions. And I know that I was bad about this in my twenties was, uh, somebody being extremely nice and me not having a good sense of separating that from somebody being romantically interested and friendship interested. Um, especially online, um, you know, and it's without that inflection and everything and without just training, I guess, like the time to get good at that and pick up on signals and understand that, um, I was very bad at it. And I thought there might, you know, I had several friends who, uh, I didn't ruin any friendships. I didn't do anything about it, but several friends who in retrospect, very obviously were just buddies. And I did not understand that mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, it was tripping a, uh, mistripping a sensor. Um, so just know that that's something that you can be good at. You should be, try to be good at something you should try to do before inflicting something on somebody and, you know, not just necessarily costing you a friendship, but also costing them a friendship. Um, you know, without any action, you know, blindsiding them with losing, losing a relationship that, you know, to some degree, if you guys are close online is some degree important to her. So. Agree. And that's, uh, that's about all the time we have for this episode of Heartbeat City. Um, first of all, I want to thank you, Autumn. Autumn, thank you very much. Oh, thank you for having me on. Where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at, at Mrs. Greer. That's M-I-S-S-U-S Greer. Absolutely. Recommended. Um, if you have questions for Heartbeat City, please call one 502 hbeat or write in at gary at duckfeed.tv. And uh, until next time, keep on feeling.
Heartbeat City is intended for advice only and is not responsible for the consequences of following any such advice. If you have questions for Heartbeat City, please call in at 502-69-HBEAT or write in at gary at duckfeed.tv. Heartbeat City is produced by Boxer Kwan and Bryce Salad. Thank you.